Welcome to the Sustainable Nano Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Krauss, and in this episode, we are going to be talking about car tires and rubber and how to make these things more sustainable than they already are. And, somewhat to my surprise, this involves nanotechnology. When we started this episode, as you'll hear actually as part of the interview, I thought it was purely a sustainability topic, but our guest promptly corrected me that actually there's quite a bit of nanotechnology involved. So this is a true sustainable nano topic for this episode. I'm very excited to be presenting an interview today with Professor Paul Danhauer, who is an associate professor of chemical engineering at the University of Minnesota. He's the co-director of the Catalysis Center for Energy Innovation. And among other things, he is also part of the Center for Sustainable Polymers. Now that may sound a little bit familiar to people who've listened to the podcast before. We are a production of the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology, which is funded by the National Science Foundation. One of our sort of sister centers who are also funded by a similar grant mechanism is the Center for Sustainable Polymers. So that's the connection of how we got to talk to Professor Dan Hauer. So whether you've always wondered about how we could make car tires that came from renewable resources instead of petroleum, or whether it never occurred to you to wonder that before, I think you're in for an interesting episode. Here is my interview with Dr. Dan Hauer. Welcome to the Sustainable Nano Podcast. Thank, Thank you. you so much for taking the time to be with us today. So our, our topic for today's conversation, am I correct in saying it has nothing to do with nanotechnology? Uh, no, I mean, so in the sense that we, we right, we're, the Center for Sustainable Polymers wants to make polymers, and for that we need molecules, and for that we need catalysts, which are usually nanoparticles. Oh, okay, that, that's so cool. I didn't actually realize there was that connection. So to back up a little bit, the work that you're doing that has been getting a lot of attention in the news and stuff recently has to do with these renewable tires. So can you tell us just the kind of broad big picture of what you've been working on? Sure. So, I mean, our, my laboratory and my the work I do with my colleagues in the CSP and other groups is focusing on re- making renewable molecules in general. And those molecules will be monomers for polymers. So our, our focus recently has been to make a renewable molecule called isoprene. It's a five-carbon molecule, and when you polymerize it, you make polyisoprene, which is synthetic rubber. So can you tell people who are a little fuzzy on the monomer-polymer thing, remind us what that means? Sure. So a a monomer is just a molecule. It's a name for a molecule. It could be a few carbons. It could be 10 carbons. Uh, But then when you take that molecule and you react it with itself thousands of times, connect each one end to end, and you end up with a polymer. And that's the, the large molecule, which you view as a material. So if they hear the, the word polymer, or there's a lot of other examples of that where it's a familiar word like polystyrene or polyethylene or, or poly- plastic in general. Plastic yeah. in general is all these yeah. multiple copies. Thanks. So isoprene is particularly what you're working on, and why is that important for car tires? Well, you need so car tires are actually a pretty amazing technology. You, th- you actually, I think we we forget about them because. <laughs> Like, unless you have a catastrophe, which is becoming very rare, actually, because the properties of the polymer and construction of the car tire is so good. But to get that, they need certain materials, uh, synthetic rubber being a huge component of the car tire. As much as a quarter of the car tire is synthetic rubber. And that's this isoprene. Right. Okay. Right. So what are the properties that make it so great for tires? Well, in, in short, rubbery. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so a car tire has many different components, right? It has steel in it. It has carbon black. But the rubbery component is what you want, and there's other polymers in there too that make it more abrasive. But but you want something that obviously that has some flexibility. It has to hold pressure. All put together makes 
the car tire. And here in Minnesota, it has to stay flexible at all kinds of temperatures and, and right. other places around the world as well. Right. We drive here in Minnesota in January, and then I go down to vacation in Texas and in Houston in the middle of summer. And we so. expect our tires to not explode and not crack and not, yeah. Right. Nobody, yeah. nobody has to think about it. That's what's great about it. Right. So what's the kind of conventional way to make this car tire material how's that been done until this new project how is the standard well i mean actually car tires have an amazing history uh rubber originally started as natural rubber and from trees right? from trees right and mostly in southeast asia and that has been through throughout american history and world history a very important issue because it's such an important natural resource particularly in world war ii so what what came out of this was the idea that we could maybe make this synthetically from petroleum and so what you'd like to do is take a fraction of petroleum and crack that, so break it apart into many molecules, and then a fraction of those molecules will be this molecule isoprene. So from that petroleum mixture, you could extract that out, polymerize it to make the plastic, the polymer, mm-hmm. and then that will be synthetic natural rubber. So that's actually what they call it, synthetic natural rubber. So our idea is, well, let's just make the isoprene renewable, and we'll call it renewable synthetic natural rubber. So it's kind of weird. It's it's already a natural product, but we're remaking it a natural product from alternative feedstocks. So it's like molecularly identical from what you would get by tapping a rubber tree. Is that fair to say? So it's, it's there's more to it than that, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, natural rubber is the polymerization process. Mm-hmm. The, the process taken from a chemical to a polymer is done in a in a rubber plant gives slightly different behaviors, performance of the polymer Mm -hmm. than the synthetic polymer. But because you use synthetic rubber in your car tire right now, the synthetic rubber will be identical. If a person bought a a renewable car tire or a petroleum-derived car tire, they wouldn't know the difference. In fact, you don't even have to tell them. Unless you wanted to. (laughs) It might be a selling point for something. (laughs) Yeah, it might be. I would. I'd prefer it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so conventionally, this, this material is made out of petroleum which is not a renewable resource, as we know. So then what's this new innovation from the Center for Sustainable Polymers that has allowed this to be a sustainable material? Right. So what's unique about this technology, actually, is that natural feedstocks, sugars, basically, if you look at the carbon chain, are straight. So five or six carbon sugars, all the carbons are connected in a row, in in something like glucose or xylose. Those are the, the sugar names. But isoprene has carbon branching. So you have four carbons in a row, and then on the second carbon, you branch off one of the carbons. Mm. So to get from a sugar to the molecule isoprene necessary for rubber, you have to introduce some amount of branching, which is difficult, and then you have to take out all the oxygen, which is also a challenge. So to do that requires special processing technology. And what came about in the CSP was that we had two skills that we could combine. My area of expertise is heterogeneous catalysis. Or And what is that? Can you do a little sidebar? What sure. does that mean? Sure. So when I talked about nanoparticles, mm-hmm. we make essentially nanoparticles that promote the chemistry we want. So that's good for things like taking oxygen out of molecules. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that's not enough. To make isoprene from sugars, you need to have the other part, which is branching. And we can't really do that with, uh, with the nanoparticles. We need biotech. So within the Center for Sustainable Polymers, it allowed us to work, my group, with Ketchen Zongs here at the University of Minnesota, and he can take sugar and make molecules like idaconic acid, which is an intermediate on the way to isoprene, which has the branching we need. So really, to put it together, the reason that we've been successful as a team is because we could kind of combine our skills together Mm -hmm. and work on the project jointly. Very cool. Very cool, yes. So instead of using petroleum, what can you use now to make this 
renewable rubber. Anything that gives sugar. So corn, obviously, mm -hmm. right? But that's, you know, there's an issue of the food versus uh, material debate or fuel. Uh, but then also trees, grasses, right? Minnesota actually has everything. You could do this with uh, grasslands. You could do it like fast-growing switchgrass. You could do it with uh, fast-growing poplar or trees, or, or you could do it with corn or anything else that makes sugar. So just plants in general. Plants in general. I imagine yeah. some are better sources than others. Well, it all, it all comes down to how, how well you can take the sugar out of these plants, mm -hmm. right? And that's there's a lot of people working on that to basically get the uh, feedstock sugar price mm -hmm. as low as possible. And right now, corn is, is a really good feedstock. So that's great. So clearly, if you can grow the source of this raw material in a season instead of over hundreds of millions of years for yes. petroleum, that's clearly more renewable. Um, tell us about the process then, because I know for for renewable chemistry, there's there's always the question of what does the process look like as far as how much energy do you have to put into this yeah. to get the final product? So how does that compare to the standard of the kind of chemistry that has to go into making this synthetic rubber? Yeah, so what so what you're asking is what we would call a techno-economic analysis. So what we do in the laboratory, right, We this process, the technology is three parts. The, the first is a bioprocessing fermentation step. And then the chemistry we do with nanoparticles is two steps. So what we would want to do is take all that technology that's in the laboratory scale, develop it into something large like you'd see at an ethanol plant or a refinery, then add up all the energy costs and flows, and then compare that to all the cost energy flows that exist for a conventional isoprene production mm -hmm. process and tire facility. To do that, obviously, is, is beyond the scope of what we do with our right. National Science Foundation funds for this project. Right. But it's, it's something that's going to happen in the future. So cool. there's no easy answer is the, the way I'd put it. Understood. So there's no easy answer, meaning it is not obviously more or less energy intensive. Process right, that. right, and, and we can look at the technologies we use too. So we know that the technology we're using are not overly energy intensive, in general. So that's that's helpful as you're going forward. Right. Although that's something I'm sure people could work on if it was if it did seem to be a barrier. Right. Um, so yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about the the nano aspect for our listeners who are interested in nanotechnology. Can you remind us like what is a catalyst, and then sure. how does nanotechnology play into that? Sure. So we think of a reaction. We start with one molecule. Uh, and then we want to transform it into another. So in chemistry, we'd say we want to take A and make B. And to make the, the, the chemistry go the way we want, the problem is sometimes instead of going A to B, we'll go A to C or A to D. Right? So what we do is we use a material that we call a catalyst. It's a general term to direct the chemistry from A to B and to eliminate the pathways A to C or A to D. Now, how we do that, it's special for almost every chemistry and every application. In this case, the renewable car tire technology actually was a, a new uh, nanoparticle technology catalyst that really enabled this. So if we think of it as a three-step process going from sugar to isoprene, the third step was a new chemistry. Uh, to do that, we use a, a special technology called a zeolite. Mm -hmm. Now, a zeolite is, is kind of the opposite of what we think of a nanoparticle. Normally, you think of a nanoparticle as something small mm -hmm. on the nanoscale. But a zeolite, we think of as having nano holes or nano pores. So it's actually a, a particle that can be quite large. When we think of large, it could be microns, right? But it has uh, small holes in it that are nanoscale. And the idea is the molecules can go into those holes and react and then come out. And how we structure those pores and holes helps direct the chemistry. Right? So in, in earlier episodes of the podcast, we've talked about how one of the benefits of nanoparticles is this vastly increased surface area. It sounds like in this case it's a similar idea, but right. as you say, it's like negative space instead of exactly. particles. But so the reason that it helps to have these nanopores 
or nanoscale holes is that you can get so many more of them in a small Exactly. Space. It gives you immense surface area. And when we talk about catalysts, we talk about, in particles, we talk about sites. So the site is where the molecule has to get to inside the pore to do the chemistry we want. And when you have so small of pores, you have so much surface area and a huge density of site. So it makes the material very active. Mm -hmm. Now, adding to that, as part of this chemistry, we found a new type of catalyst. It's, so it's a special, we call the structure with the, with the nanopores, a zeolite. But within that, we discovered, or my colleague here at the University of Minnesota, Michael Sapatza, showed that you can put up a special phosphorus site that does the chemistry that more selective than any other class we've been able to discover. So it just makes this reaction way more efficient. Extremely efficient, right. Very cool. So there's sort of multiple innovations going on in this new technology, it sounds like. Yeah, and that, that mostly came apart just because, you know, we're all part of the team and we mm -hmm. talk all the time about what we're trying to achieve. And, we you know, if we talk, we find the barriers. Mm -hmm. We say, well, you know, I'm, I've got this. Why don't you try that? What if we put these two together? I think the team approach for this kind of research really works. So obviously, I know, you know, you've just published this in, the, in a journal, and so the word is getting out, we're all talking about it. What do you imagine, you know, not being necessarily the expert in manufacturing or whatever, but what do you imagine yeah. as far as like, when can I buy my first renewable tires? What do you think? Right. So the, the technology is patented through mm -hmm. University of Minnesota Office of Technology Commercialization. So it, it could go many avenues through what we call the development stage. To take it from the laboratory to up to the large scale, could take several years, right? Because mm -hmm. you have to work on all the innovations and process technology. The earliest this could happen would be two or three years in the future, yeah. which would be in the chemical world, that's very fast. Mm -hmm. No, that's exciting. So people should keep their eyes open for these products to be coming out soon. Yeah. So what are some other, are there other obvious applications for this renewable isoprene besides car tires? Well, I would say, I think I'd put it another way. I think this, this catalyst chemistry combination could go many different ways. So we think of renewable rubber as many applications of rubber, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but isoprene is just one molecule which can make one polymer. But there's many others. So take something like, like butadiene is another molecule which we could be used to make polybutadiene or other rubbers and plastics. For example, butadiene could be made very, by a very similar process. And that could be used to make something like renewable Legos, all sorts of other polymers like nitrile gloves that you mm -hmm. use that has butadiene in it. There's many other applications of butadiene. So the, the ability to make dienes in general, I think, is what's been enabled here, not just isoprene. Okay. So the car tires is kind of the most um, immediate concrete example, but yeah. that's amazing. It's opened up a whole lot of yeah. possibilities. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Wonderful. All right. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. That's it for this episode of the Sustainable Nano Podcast. Thanks so much to Dr. Danhauer for doing the interview with us for this episode. This podcast is a production of the Center for Sustainable Nanotechnology, which is funded by the National Science Foundation. We have to give our usual disclaimer, of course. Uh, all the opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of the National Science Foundation. If you'd like more Sustainable Nano, I uh, hope you'll go back and listen to some more of our podcast episodes. You can find them at podcast.sustainable-nano.com, or you can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. If you want even more, we've got a blog where there's over 200 posts about all kinds of topics related to nanotechnology, sustainability, and life in science. The URL for the blog is just sustainable-nano.com. Our post from last week was in honor of International Women's Day and is talking about the phenomenon called the Matilda Effect, which is very interesting. If you're not familiar with it, I suggest you check it out. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sustainable Nano, and I hope you'll chat with us there. Let us know what you think about the podcast, what you want to learn about in the future. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll be back in just a couple of weeks with our next episode. 